Hello and welcome back to the Rare Possessions Podcast. This is Nick Galetti and with me is Jared Riddick. Happy to be back. First officer of the Book of Mormon Central Archive. Yes, the USS Archive. The USS Archive, Federation uh, Archive. Reclining comfortably in the chair. That's in the right. We've office. got a new studio here at Book of Mormon Central that has some wonderful little creature comforts. Yes. And uh, so today we are going to continue our discussion on Principle 3, which is Chapter 3, if you will, in the book Joseph and Moroni by LeGrand L. Baker. This one is entitled, Integrity is Keeping One's Covenants with God. Now, this, to start off, we need to echo back to those of you that have been following us from the beginning. In uh, Episode 1, we brought up some uh, parts of this book where were founded on uh, sources that were secondhand. And mm-hmm. or given very long after the fact, right? So here we start off with a very interesting story uh, discussing the four-year period between the time that Joseph met Moroni and when he was allowed to receive the plates. That there seemed to be a lot of tutoring that took place, where mm-hmm. uh, Mother Smith, or what has been attributed to Mother Smith, relates a story where Joseph would be sitting around the house. And he would talk about the Book of Mormon people, what they wore, um, described their clothing, methods of transportation, buildings, warfare, and religious worship. She claims that he did so with ease as if he had spent a lifetime with them. Mm-hmm. And this is a story I honestly can say I've never heard anywhere else but that source. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that it's not true, but it just means Take be cautious. Take salt. Also, on a side... When you describe the ancient inhabitants of this continent, that phrase has been seized upon by geography adherents in many camps. And it should be noted that in the 19th century, it's been overwhelmingly shown that this continent was used to refer to both North and South America as a whole. Yeah. And so this shouldn't be, in my opinion, used to plug any one theory. Right. For geography. So this is kind of, and it is an interesting story. There is some thought to the notion that, that Joseph and Moroni did have numerous occasions where they had meetings Mm -hmm. and who knows what they discussed. Again, here's a situation where Joseph perhaps chose to not tell us everything. And there's interesting stories. I mean, this is going back to different, this is going to Truman G. Madsen's lectures. I remember in the lecture, Truman G. Madsen relating that Joseph once said to Hiram, Hiram, you look more like Seth than any other man I've met. And I thought that was interesting. And then he would go on and describe exactly what Paul, the apostle Paul looked like and sounded like that. He had a high pitched voice, which raised into a roar when he became angry and things like that. Like, I don't remember that in Doctrine and Covenants, but, (laughs) but those are experiences. We don't know what kind of angelic tutoring or ministration that Joseph received. He didn't go into all of it because of the first principle. Sometimes we don't extend sacred things to everyone. Right. And that's the hard part too. When you talk to go back to the first principle is even if we've been asked to share something that is sacred with someone, they may not feel under the obligation to keep it sacred. Um, and so there are stories that are out there that m- may be true and that Joseph himself was only meant to share with that one person, but that that one person went and shared it with they others. They went and pulled a Martin Harris and shared it with everybody else that, they weren't supposed that's, to. That's exactly right. Legrand, to me, as a writer, is really good at asking questions that lead to answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them might even be kind of counterfactual in nature, but they can also be enlightening. So he asked the questions like, why didn't Moroni bring the plates to Joseph? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, why did he have them go to a hiding place and, and have him continue to come back year after year? And, and even though that's not how it went, 
asking those questions can give us insight as to what Moroni's goals were with Joseph and asking him to do the things that he did. Again, because Moroni knew Joseph, literally, the grant says, better than Joseph knew himself. Right. So, uh, another great quote, because this chapter is talking about integrity, and one of the things that we know that Joseph, even in himself, admitted from time to time during that break between when he first met Moroni until the time he got the plates, he had not lived his life the way that he knew he should have. He fell into certain patterns and choices that uh, he he recognized later were mistakes. And he said, he said, he goes, don't think me guilty of any great sin. Right. But the kind of... Uh, the kind of things we're all prone to. We, I was once joking with a professor in class, and he was saying, showing us on like a little, I don't know what kind of graph it is. Uh, oh, gosh. Line graph saying, your spirituality throughout your life. And he puts the mission as the high point, then right when you get home, it just plummets down. <laughs> uh, that's the kind of thing. You're not guilty of any great sins, but you're not as good as you should have been or the, as you were in the past. You might not be as connected to things spiritual as you mm-hmm. were in your mission, that sort of thing. And I, I think in this case... Um, Part of what Legrand is using as the principle here is that Moroni, before he was going to give the plates to Joseph, needed to know that there was a certain level of integrity, that he was going to do what he promised to do. And he gave this great quote. He said, integrity means that there is no gap between what one says and what one does. Uh, he later then said, the lesson learned is this, just as a prophet must be able to tell the difference between Ideas that come from the devil and those that come from the Lord. So a prophet must also be able to tell the difference between an idea that came from the Lord and those that come from his own mind. And now here we have kind of a a prelude, if you will, to the next chapter that goes into Martin Harris and Mm -hmm. some of the things that we know from from common history that we talk about. But uh, this idea of, of integrity, that a prophet must have integrity, is again, these principles build upon each other. So here we are now, going to do a reading of Principle 3 in the book Joseph and Moroni from Legrand L. Baker. Joseph and Moroni, The Seven Principles Moroni Taught Joseph Smith by Legrand L. Baker. Third Principle. Integrity is keeping one's covenants with God. Joseph teaches his family about the people of the Book of Mormon. The evening after that first interview with Moroni, Joseph waited until after supper and then told the story to his whole family. From this time forth, his mother recalled, Joseph continued to receive instructions from the Lord. As time passed, Moroni not only told Joseph about the contents of the Book of Mormon, but showed him, in vision, the peoples and events about which the book was written. In doing this, Moroni used the best possible method of preparing Joseph to participate in the work of translation. One who understands a people, their culture, their history, and the impact of their ideas upon events is far better able to translate their writings correctly than one who only has an academic background in their language. Moroni began to teach Joseph about the Book of Mormon four full years before Joseph had the plates. There are no first-hand accounts of these visions, But in the evenings, after the day's work was done, the Smith family would gather around, all seated in a circle, and giving the most profound attention while Joseph taught them. Occasionally during these evening conversations, Joseph told them about the culture of the people whose history was in the book that still lay buried in the box on the hill. His mother wrote, Occasionally during these evening conversations, 
Joseph told them about the culture of the people whose history was in the book that still lay buried in the box on the hill. His mother wrote, He would describe the ancient inhabitants of this continent, their dress, mode of traveling, and the animals upon which they rode, their cities, their buildings, with every particular, their mode of warfare, and also their religious worship. This he would do with as much ease, seemingly, as if he had spent his whole life among them. For Joseph to have known the ancient Americans that well, his tutorials with Moroni must have been as vivid as movements through time. Joseph goes to the hill Cumorah the second time. On the 22nd of the next September, exactly one year after the day he first climbed the hill to see the plates, Joseph was to return to that same place. Because of his frequent contact with Moroni, visits from the angel must have long since ceased being a novelty to the young prophet. But, if Moroni thought of them as routine, he certainly had not stopped taking them seriously. In preparation for Joseph's second attempt to get the plates, Moroni cautioned Joseph that he must be aware of other people's greed. Some would try to steal the plates to get the gold. If they were stolen and melted down, the words which were more precious than gold would be lost. To emphasize the danger and to clarify Joseph's responsibility, Moroni told him that once the plates were in Joseph's custody, he must not lay them down or let them out of his hands for even a moment until they were safely hidden. Joseph promised he would obey. Oliver Cowdery tells us that on the appointed day, Joseph climbed the hill to the place where the stone box was buried, opened it, reached in, picked up the plates, and started back down the hill. Then he stopped, remembering that he had not replaced the stone lid on the box. The sword and other treasures were still exposed to the view of anyone who might pass by, and he realized they might be stolen. He returned laid the plates down beside him where they would be safe, and pushed the heavy lid back into place. When the box was closed, he turned to pick up the plates. They were gone. Joseph could not understand what had happened. He had heard no one approach, yet someone had taken them. He was frightened and terribly frustrated when he knelt to ask the Lord for help. As had happened a year before, Moroni responded to Joseph's pleadings, and, as before, Joseph's ex-general, Angel Tudor, told him he could not have the plates until he learned to obey. Moroni's insistence that Joseph's promise to keep the plates safe and not let them out of his hands should have been taken more seriously. That golden record had been prepared as the key of the restoration of the gospel, of the restoration of Israel, and of the fulfillment of the covenants that the Father had made in the beginning. The plates were precious beyond price, and needed to be protected with the utmost care. Since Joseph could not yet be trusted to look after them, Moroni had returned the plates to their box. Moroni gave Joseph permission to look. Once again the young man pried open the lid. When he saw the plates, he reached down to take them in his hands. But instead of getting them as he anticipated, he was hurled back upon the ground with great violence. He just lay there. Now the angel was gone, the box was closed, and Joseph was alone. He had been weighed in the balance of his own integrity and found wanting. When he recovered his strength, he returned to his parents' home, weeping with grief and disappointment. One could almost hear the echo of the angel's instructions in young Joseph sobbing, You must learn to obey. Another Lesson About Obedience The plates were the angel's responsibility. 
He could protect them well enough when they were in his custody, and he would not let Joseph have them until Joseph had learned to follow his instructions explicitly. Joseph had chosen to not obey, so now he must wait another year. Stories like this ask questions, and one of the most intriguing is why Moroni was able to move the plates. There can be no doubt about that. Why then did he not just pick them up and take them down to the house and give them to Joseph? Why must Joseph come to their hiding place to get them? Why must he come year after year? Those questions all suggest the same answer. There were things Joseph needed to learn that only time and experience could teach him. When Joseph first climbed that hill to get the plates, he understood that his folks were very poor. Loving sons are conscious of those things, and his history records his memory of it. He wrote, As my father's worldly circumstances were very limited, we were under the necessity of laboring with our hands, hiring out by day's work and otherwise, as we could get opportunity. Perhaps the notion of selling the gold began there. It is not a bad thing for a young son to wish he could help his parents. The beginning of his temptation may only have been something like this. I wonder if there might just be one page at the back that does not have any writing on it, and I could sell that one to help my dad. Any idea like that could have been the entree for the rest. Deceit then followed deception until the devil had manipulated Joseph's thinking. That conjecture on my part might or might not account for Joseph's first failure to get the plates. Still, after he had once succumbed to the enticements, he ought to have recognized and avoided them. Indeed, he did. There is no evidence that Joseph ever again entertained the notion of selling the gold. Joseph's second attempt to get the plates was altogether different from the first. He was foiled, not because he wanted to sell the treasure, but because he wanted to protect it. This time, Joseph may have thought, after all, the angel does expect me to be responsible. Would a responsible person walk away leaving a silver bow and breastplate and a priceless sword lying there in the open to be stolen by whoever might pass by? If I were responsible, I would have closed that lid. Convinced by his own reasoning, Joseph returned. But since he could not move the heavy stone with the plates in his hands, he had to lay them down. So one might ask, what was there about those two experiences that was a necessary element in the maturation of this young prophet? What did he learn? In both of those possible scenarios, Joseph's temptation was not to do something bad, but to do what Joseph himself understood to be best. The sin was that he did not do what the Lord told him would be best. The lesson he learned was that when a prophet acts in behalf of the Lord, he does what the Lord tells him to do. Integrity means that there is no gap between what one says and what one does. Integrity is a personal power that is either the key to our salvation or the surest way to go to hell. If we love the Lord and his children and act in accordance to that love and under the direction of the Holy Ghost, then integrity has become the key to salvation. However, if we support some unholy cause, then personal integrity, the persistence in following that unrighteous path, will prevent us from acknowledging the truth and therefore from repenting. Joseph's returning to close the box was an expression of his own integrity. That would have been a good thing under any other circumstances, but this time, his integrity should have caused him to do what he was told to do, to hold tightly to the plates until they were properly hidden. The lesson he learned was this. Just as a prophet must be able to tell the difference between ideas that come from the devil and those that come from the Lord, 
so a prophet must also be able to tell the difference between the ideas that come from the Lord and those that come from his own mind. If Joseph had not learned that principle, he could not have been a prophet. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rare Possessions Podcast. This has been a presentation of a principle from the book Joseph and Moroni, The Seven Principles Moroni Taught Joseph Smith by LeGrand L. Baker. For more information about this and other items in the Book of Mormon Central archives, visit archive.bookofmormoncentral.org. Please stay tuned for next week's episode of the Rare Possessions Podcast.